0: Good evening, everyone. American author F. Scott Fitzgerald once said, you do not write because you want to say something, you write because you have something to say. And the Arab Spring, if nothing good came out of the Arab Spring, one thing uh, was good that came out of it was that it inspired me to open my blog. It provided me the inspiration for this platform because it seemed that I had a lot to say. Suddenly, I became a blogger, a writer. I started to contribute pieces uh, here and there to online and offline publications. And one thing led to another. I became a citizen journalist, an ad hoc reporter, and then an activist, when I finally found myself on the streets of Beirut as a protester. Now, um, make no mistake, I'm not a journalist, like uh, many of you are here, and like the speakers are, most of the speakers. I've never have been a journalist and probably never will. Uh, The main reason for that is that my writing is very personal. Uh, It's a passion of mine. And I don't think I'd be able to ever handle an editor telling me what to write and what not to write, with all due respect to editors. Uh, But this doesn't come without responsibility. Because even as a blogger, I certainly am my own boss, but uh, with the writing comes responsibility. And because I'm my own boss, my credibility is always on the line. However, one of the most important and rewarding things that I discovered is that as a blogger, I write about the issues and the causes that are matter to me the most. But I do have a privilege that journalists do not have, which is being a part of what I report. And something that traditional journalists are not supposed to do in the first place. So, uh, when my blogging often turned uh, to citizen journalism and activism, that's when my online persona met the real world. It really was a feeling of practicing what I preached, and that's how I found myself, again, protesting. And uh, it's not that I was either online or either offline in the real world. I seem to go back and forth between these two worlds. And I thought about sharing three small examples of how um, this developed for me and how it affected my writing. Uh, The first example, uh, in 2011, so there was a series of demonstrations here in Beirut calling for the downfall of the confessional system. And it was probably the first and the only incident of how uh, Lebanon um, got a bit of the Arab Spring contagion. Um, I was writing about the issue because I lived in Lebanon. It meant a lot to me. I think it's one of the cancers uh, that affects this country. It's uh, probably not going anywhere anytime soon, but I wrote about it uh, because it meant to me and I believed in the cause. And because I believed in the cause, when the protest started, I took down to the streets. And it's the first time that I felt like a reporter because I was there, I witnessed what was going on and then, you know, I'd run back home to try to write about it and report about it to uh, my audience and my readers. I uh, went to the protest alone and I met many friends. I wasn't surprised that I found many people that I knew. And it was exciting. There was this energy. We were walking from predominantly Muslim neighborhoods to predominantly Christian neighborhoods. And again, you have to remember, this is Lebanon, and urban urban fragmentation is still something that's very real. But there was an emotion to it. Uh, People were happy. Uh, We would see people on balconies, you know, cheering us and throwing rice and celebration and victory as if we had it was a done deal and you know everything was all good obviously that wasn't the case uh, but it was emotional and uh, it brought a face to the protest so when you were there you saw that you weren't the only one calling for this there were many people that were willing to take to the streets and leave their houses and fight and scream for what they believed in however, I realized that it gives you a bit of a false sense of hope because you see all the excitement, you see all the protests and uh, the people and and the energy, but then again, it takes more than a couple of people on the streets, protests, uh, holding signs in order to get change done. The second example I'd like to share with you happened two years later in 2013. Um, when the protest for the first illegal extension of parliament took place. And whoever was in Lebanon knew that this was about to happen. And obviously, as someone that was following, I didn't like it. Here we were in Lebanon thinking that we were a parliamentary democracy waiting for the next parliamentary elections, and we discover uh, that uh, parliament is very serious about canceling the elections. So I was writing about this you know, very theoretically, this is not right, the corruption, uh, we need to have elections and so on. And when I think about it in retrospect, because I was so passionate about the cause, well, unconsciously I was pushing myself to get down on the streets and put myself at risk like anyone else because this was wrong. And so I did. So when the first protests were called for, I was uh, down there and it was a turning point for me, I think, because it led me to become an activist of sorts, a part-time activist, if you will. Um, and uh, there's one scene, very, very clearly I remember, we were in riyadh al saleh Square, which is in downtown Beirut, we were crammed horizontally. In one of the streets, uh, one side there was the wall of a construction site, which still stands. And uh, on the other side, we were stopped by a group of police, uh, army, uh, riot police, and so on. And they were protected by their iron fences and the barbed wire and so on. And uh, the protest was calm. Uh, It was very tense. But, uh, again, it was very difficult to keep everyone calm. Then pushing and shoving. And there was one weapon, though, with the protesters, and those were small bottles of water. Some of them uh, some of them were filled, some of them were empty. So again, you can argue how dangerous an empty bottle is as opposed to a filled one or vice versa. And pushing and shoving, one bottle here, one bottle there. And it started to get violent. And this is when it started to get real. And this is when you see things that you cannot unsee. Now, of course, there wasn't anyone killed and so on. But when you see violence, when you see police um, behaving with completely peaceful protesters the way that they did, it's it's difficult to see. And, of course, it changes the way that you write about these things. I was trembling, I wanted to cry, I wanted to run for cover, but at the same time, I wanted to stay there, take a couple of pictures, and see as much as I could in order to run home and write about it all. And that's what I did. But I then realized I really put myself in some danger here, and I was on my own. Um, If I was arrested or if I ended up in the hospital, no one would be on my side, of course, other than my friends and my family. But I was on my own. There was no organization to protect me or so on. Um, but as, as, a, as a blogger, I went home, and um, I sometimes get asked how I put this all together. It's all based on memory. It's what I see, uh, what I feel, because I'm a blogger, after all. I'm not a journalist. So because this is personal, the facts at least what I see and what I experience, come together with how I feel. Of course, the reader knows that this is personal, I am subjective, this is my point of view, and I try to present it as best I can. Now, the third and uh, final example came two years later. Now, the two-year interval is a complete coincidence, don't ask me why, but that's how it happened. It came in 2015 during the infamous garbage crisis. Now, at that point, I was feeling very down, feeling very depressed. Nothing was happening, the same old politics, the corruption, electricity, no water. It was just we were stuck in the same vicious circle in this country. I was depressed to such an extent that I considered forgetting about the political blog and turning into a fashion blog. It was that bad. I was feeling depressed. However, Two weeks later, lo and behold, everything goes crazy and the garbage crisis ensues. As you may know, we had a very big garbage crisis in 2015, garbage piling up on the streets because the main landfill that serviced Beirut and the suburbs got closed. And um, something had to be done. And it was done. Again, another series of protests. Many of us were there myself included, and um, I remember how it all started. I had a—I was meeting a friend of mine uh, whose office is in Bank Street. Again, that leads to Riyadh Surah Square. I went up to his office. Everything seemed to be completely normal. I left, and the street was completely empty, and Bank Street is barely empty. Um, I tried to see what was going on. I went to the end of Bank Street where... Um, Riyadh Saleh Square is, it faces the Grand Sarai. And uh, there were about a dozen of pro- dozen protesters uh, fighting the water cannons that uh, they were being uh, welcomed with by police. And they were running back and forth. It was this cat and mouse chase between a dozen protesters and police. And then suddenly, what started forming right there was this human wall of all of them standing side by side and being faced with the water cannons. Now, it was an iconic picture, and I I hope you've seen it. Um, I like to compare it to the other iconic picture of the lone protester that faced the tanks in Tiananmen Square in 1989. Uh, It was that impactful. And um, that's how it all started. And two weeks later, all of the protests started and everything you know it, it went all crazy Now um, many activists um, independent or those that were linked to political parties or rather uh, NGOs and, and the civil society, uh, there was um, a desire to keep it to keep the protests peaceful, although the government had been so aggressive in its uh, reaction. Uh, to the initial protests, and uh, before a Saturday, I got a call from a friend of mine, a girl uh, f- a friend of mine, and she told me, "Listen, there's a group of girls that are thinking about going to the first protest in dresses." I'm like, "Okay, fine. That I will feel very ridiculous, but I will do it." And with flower um, crowns. So that's that's how we went to the first protest to make to try to pass the message that we wanted. To keep it all peaceful. Now, no one had to tell us that this didn't include heels. Because if we went on heels, we wouldn't be able to run. And God, did we run then. Um, just as the b- protest in 2013. In 2015, it got extremely real. It got very violent. It had been like nothing I had ever seen. And um, the beating, the tear gas, all of that. You see it, and there is no way that you can leave from that without being impacted. And it impacts not only your point of view as a citizen, but also your writing. And uh, you're not the same after that. However, I don't think I would have had it any other way, really. So, to put this all together, since then, I have done a lot of writing online and offline as well. Uh, the writing continues, but at a different pace. I think I've found my true calling, which isn't is obviously the blogging and the writing, but in fiction. Uh, I think I have a better chance of spreading the word and making some change through fiction. Of course, I don't think you would be surprised that a lot of the inspiration that I that I use for the fiction is based on the last couple of years of what I've seen and what I've been told and what I've uh, you know felt because of uh, through the writing. Uh, but uh, if I w- were to leave you with one idea, especially trying to um, put it all together with this uh, evening's theme of online reporting, meeting uh, the real world, it's that no matter how important the online world is, it remains virtual. It's a platform, a means of communication, and there is no way your perspective can be realistic and credible without balancing it with the real world. Um, and another way I like, another way of, of seeing this is comparing idealism and realism. So. You need to be idealistic about what should be, about the lofty goals and the causes, and especially for someone like me that started a blog because I wanted to spread my political ideals and my political commentary. So there's always this need to balance idealism and realism. And um, idealism is very good. It is needed, but without balancing it with the real world and what is real. It's just a bunch of ideas about, bunch of ideas and dreams, nothing more and nothing less. Thank you.